to welcome everybody uh, to our second installment of what we're calling The Hallway uh, Podcast by BCE. And uh, once again, my name is Wes Jackson. I'm the director of the BCE program. I'm joined by the Honorable Stanley Miller, uh, fellow faculty member, professor with us, who is our finance and accounting guru. And we're also happy to be joined by our producer, Kristen, who's going to be now our our third guest as we do this. I don't know, I, I, this is gonna be so much fun um, doing. So what we wanna do with the hallway is just think about items that are going on in the real world and sort of analyze them through what this sort of BCE lens, which is what I know Stanley and I do in our classes, is um, not only for our students watching, prospective students, families, and just you know other sort of uh, creative industry business nerds like all of us, just to understand um, particularly some of the lessons in the class and how you see them playing out, um, you know, really in the real world. And, you know, when Stanley's here, we did it uh, a few weeks ago about the GameStop, um, I don't know what you want to call it, fiasco, where I didn't understand short selling and what was going on. And Stanley kind of helps us uh, understand it um, from his CFO, CPA, uh, long history. So today we're going to be talking about liquor. I don't know what that says about us, but um, Stanley, uh, well, how are you doing, Stanley? Just this, I'm doing well and uh, happy to be back for our next session. And uh, clearly, it's an interesting topic. I think most people uh, should find it uh, enjoyable to learn a little bit more about what what's going on behind the scenes here. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you know, as, as you both know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hip hop nerd, a hip hop head, uh, live in Brooklyn. So anytime Jay-Z makes any news, I tend to pay attention quickly. He announced earlier this week that he had sold, I believe a 50% stake in his uh, liquor company. I, I think it was just Ace of Spades because he has Ace of Spades, which is the champagne, the sparkling wine, whatever the official term is. But then he also has Duce, which is a cognac. So I don't think this deal involved Duce. It was just Ace of Spades. And he sold a 50% stake to LVMH. Or the they, they actually just said MA, it was just Moet Hennessy. They didn't mention Louis Vuitton, but I know that's the big conglomerate. Um, and you know, as a hip hop sort of nerd, you know that the creation of Ace of Spades was actually we would say it in the social justice stance today was an anti-racist move because hip hop all throughout, you know, my young adult years used to talk about Moe, then they really start talking about Cristal, right? In the gold bottles and the gold leaf. And the CEO of Cristal came out one day and I don't know what the exact words were, but it alluded that he had no real concern or, or um, affinity for all of these, the, the hip hop and urban read, you know, code for black people drinking Cristal, Cristal and made some really racist comments to which Jay-Z said, that's it, that I'm not drinking this anymore. I'm not promoting this, I'm not celebrating it and went and uh, started his own um, champagne company. He had done this previously with um, Armandale Vodka um, with his old partner, Damon Dash, and then you see Puffy doing it with Ciroc. So this idea of stop promoting these liquors and create your own was where Ace of Spades came from. So it was almost a sense of pride to buy an Ace of Spades bottle because you were almost recycling your money in the culture. 
But when he flipped it to LVMH uh, or MH, whatever you want to call it, I was like, oh, he was being applauded. But the first thought came to my mind is Jay-Z has this tendency to sort of acquire these brands or invest in these brands or being affiliated with these brands. And then he has a sort of like, I don't know, a soft exit. He doesn't normally get out all the way, but he'll sell a minority or in this case, I guess an equal stake and essentially cash out and still be involved. And I, and I had this thought that he's not using his own money to do all of this. And is that really, is that brilliant? because he's not exposed or is he lying to us, making us believe he is this risky entrepreneur or is he just a better version of it? And me as somebody who probably was too exposed in many of my deals, I find it very, very funny. But anyway, just to bring you in Stanley, I was mentioning this to our chair, Dr. Brent Smith, and he says, that sounds like debt leverage. So then I said, this is a conversation for Stan. So Stanley, Talk to the people. What's going on here? We're happy to. It is a form of leverage. And let me just give a little bit of background about leverage in, in, in the uh, business sense and fi financial sense. Leverage, in this case, would be financial leverage. And really, it's, it's using debt or other people's invested money to build something. And in this case, there's a, there's a more subtle form of leverage as well. And that is that he's using his star power, his resources, his name to, if you will, invest with the other party. But the other party is putting up perhaps the money or a significant portion of the money and maybe some of the operational know-how. I don't know how much Jay-Z knows about making champagne. You know, I don't know if he has any on his estate, you know, growing and, and making it. So really he's engaging uh, high quality other people to make the venture work. So then what happens is assuming it has some, some traction and gets some success and they build off of it. Now he's using his name even more for the marketing side. And the other party may be, you know, putting in more capital or financing as needed to support the growth. So he's leveraging his name and the other party might be leveraging their money on the concept that, or the premise that it'll be a success, much like a venture capitalist would. Yeah. So that when it does, when they do flip it or sell a major interest in it, it's at a big gain. And, but the, the thing that, that, one of the things that struck me about the Jay-Z uh, deal here, as, as, as you explained, it's kind of like he went at it with a, with a real strong emotional side here, you know, with Cristal handling him and, you know, bad-mouthing him the way they did uh, and, and the whole society the way he did. So I would think he really redoubled his efforts here to, to make it happen. And they did. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, LVMH, <laughs> it's, it's Louis Vuitton, Moet, Hennessy, and by the way, Dom Perignon. They oh, they did too. I didn't yeah. know. Yes. So, you know, he's, he's now 
moving his brand to that level of uh, recognition and the, the power in the marketplace for champagne. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's funny because Dom Perignon, that was another, before it was Moet and before it was Cristal, that was the cool hip hop right. thing. So it's fascinating that now he basically is, did it on his own and then now is re-entering the same system to push them out. Um, that's fascinating. So I just want to go rewind of, you said he was leveraging his debt, right? Which is what we used to call other people's money in the sense. Which right. it still is. This is. Yeah. Yeah. And and then also his celebrity. So how do you, so CFO Stanley, how do you make that calculation? And I know you and I had to talk about this because you were consulting me and Ebony when we were, when we were thinking about selling the Brooklyn Hip Hop Festival. And most of our assets, our value was in intangible assets, right? Brand value. So, and I, so how do, how would you, value that how do you figure out on, on valuating that deal because you got to make you got to put it into a line item on the spreadsheet right you don't see it on the spreadsheet really you don't see it in financial statements let's put it that way you it's, don't see it so no, it, it it is as you said intangible i was using the expression star power yeah right in your case it was that it's similar intangible it's up here what you what you knew and what you bring to the table and one of the ways it's very uh, broad as to how you might value something like this, because you could ask three people and get five different opinions. However, the proof is in the result. And that, and that is that, let's say the other side put up uh, $50 million for a 50% interest. What they are saying is they're valuing Jay-Z's name and star power for a comparable $50 million as it relates to this effort, this project. Yeah. You know, his, his star power, you know, billions is not 50 million. Right. But for the, for the sole purpose of this, yeah. you know, and to identify it as such, that, that's about one way you could back into it. So let me ask you this: We're just to get real nerdy. You said it's not on the it's not on the financial statement, right? But so I guess so. So when you're assessing, so let's say you're buying into uh, Ace of Spades, right? You and you're buying a fifty percent stake. Let's say they are doing the manufacturing, right? Let's say they have a facility, or you know they're producing bottles. There are tangible assets, right? That you could say the factory's worth hundred grand, blah, 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 blah. Your inventory on hand, right? You have your accounts receivable that I imagine you put in it. So, but just the, the, the star power of Jay-Z, that's not, is that just kind of rolled? It's, it, there is not really a line item for intangible assets. I'm just trying to get real of a specific question. You don't even put that line item. So how do you get, but if I'm looking at your books and everything tallies up to, because you're saying that if I if, if you give me 50 million for 50%, then the idea is that I'm worth 100 million. But right, if I'm coming in, if I'm especially if I'm a public company, which LVMH is, don't I have to go in and be like, how did you get to 100 million? That, that is the next step, if you will. If you, in your business with Ebony, 
you could not put it on your own balance sheet. It's that as an asset per se. Okay. However, if LVMH comes along and buys you and pays a certain amount of money for the business, and that's clearly in excess of the, the assets you just described, yeah. the difference or the remainder is an intangible asset that they can put on their balance sheet. Oh, so it's more- It's when it's acquired. Yeah, so it's on the other side, not you. Correct, you just take the money and run. But <laughs> till then, it, no. it's, you know, it's really a, a vague area as to yeah. how these things get valued. Right. So do the so let me just jump because that's a but do I come to let's say I'm Jay Z and you're you know you're LVMH. I guess is it okay for me to say, like, listen, I got fifty million intangible, and I'm valuing, you know, my intangibles, me, and basically I might be able to get Beyonce to put it in an Instagram post, I might put it in my video, I might take it on tour. That is, I'm telling you that's worth 50 mil. Is sure, that's a piece appropriate. Of is that appropriate for me to say is my question. Sure it is. That's part of your negotiation and trying to maximize the value here. Now, ultimately, just like you in the first phase of this 50 million and 50 million, that was kind of backing into the amount of intangible that Jay-Z was bringing to this champagne entity. Well, when that entity's 50% of it's being acquired by another party, they're doing kind of the same thing and saying, once we come to a total agreement as to the value of this business, we then allocate the purchase price. And, and mm -hmm. which is a standard exercise. And we you know, well, we have so much, like you say, in inventory, so much in facilities, so mm -hmm. much in, X, Y, and Z. Well, guess what? We just paid a billion dollars for this and we could only identify 200 million in assets. The other 800 million has to be this intangible. It ha right. So it's almost the, by, by default. So if I, yeah. see, if I look on the, on, the, on the income statement and I see 200 million in tangible assets, but yet a purchase price of a billion, then duh, it's the other 800 has to be in tandem. And, and, and then it would show up on the, on the LVMH's balance sheet because they actually put out the money for it. Right. So now, and then how is that? I, this is so nerdy. I love it. But what is that? What is calling me a nerd? Wait a minute. Yes. Y'all say that. I, I, that's, I love that. I'm a nerd. I'm, I think nerds I'm, make things go. I'm taking it. We'd be, we be, we be, I don't know, eating with stone tools. But what is that? But it, what is that? So it goes on LVMH's balance sheet as an eight hundred million dollar. Well, let's just use this because let's say, let's just use simple terms. Well, let's keep it with a billion. So that goes as an eight hundred million dollar expenditure, right? Because that money left the, the account. No, it's I, not an expenditure. No, no, they're purchasing an asset, an intangible yeah. asset. So it would go on their balance sheet. Yeah, right on the acquiring company's balance sheet as something called other assets. Okay. And how, whatever uh, descriptive or terminology they'd like to use to describe it, it used to be called goodwill. Mm. And, and, but now there are all different types of 
in in kind. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's yeah, it's whatever wording they feel is appropriate to describe it. And and I can give you a more concrete example. A few years back, when Procter and Gamble acquired Gillette Shaving Company, all that Procter and Gamble paid like forty billion dollars for it, or whatever, some astronomical number. And if you looked at the assets on Gillette's balance sheet, there was only like four billion. Hmm. So the vast majority of it went for the Gillette name. Yeah. Yeah. And all of their patents and all of the things they had. A well, lot that, of which that's a little different because the patents, and we may have to bring Bamati, our lawyer, in here, but that's a re that's that's a little bit right. safer. Wouldn't you feel safer acquiring the patent than star power? Right. Well, the issue is they pay, I'm sure that in, in the Procter and Gamble example, they paid a heck of a lot more than what the patent was on the books for at Gillette. So again, you know, it's like the market value of it as opposed to what's on a historical balance sheet. And that's yeah. exactly a limitation in, in traditional accounting. Gotcha. So I think our producer Kristen was wants to jump in. Where, where'd you go? We'll put you on camera. Oh, yeah, um, I just looked up the exact number and it was $57 billion for them to purchase. And it was a stock swap deal, it says. Right, but they, they swapped, whether it's cash or stock, uh, the, the reason that it's stock is they didn't want to put out that kind of cash. So, but the point is that they paid, if they paid $57 billion, and Gillette's balance sheet only showed five billion in assets. It's the same issue. So, qu question. So, two things, Stanley. Explain quickly what a stock swap is, and then where does that go? Where does that transaction go on the financial statement? Okay. What they're saying is, rather than buy all of Gillette's stock for fifty-seven billion dollars. They took 57 billion worth of their stock and issued it to the Gillette shareholders who okay. turned in their Gillette stock in swap or trade for Procter and Gamble stock. Okay, so it's so you're 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 Gillette, I'm Procter and Gamble. I'm saying, hey, I'll give you give me one of your here's one of mine, give me yours. Right. Mine, is, mine are more valuable than yours. And if I were the sole stockholder of Gillette, I would give you all my shares and get 57 billion worth of, of my Procter and Gamble's. Right, exactly. Right. And then that's not cash out, that's not liquid because it's still, it's still, it's still, it's still a stock right. that, that can go up and down unless you can't. But it but it's pretty stable. And you know, again, that becomes contractual as to, and regulatory as to when people could then sell the Procter & Gamble stock. Right, then there's restrictions on that. That right. thinks about what we were talking about with GameStop. Maybe. Maybe, they, but you certainly would not want Gillette, the, the CEO of Gillette the next day to cash out because it just, right. that's a PR issue, yeah. correct? Yeah. Major shareholders and uh, inside people, I'm sure had restrictions. But if, if Wes Jackson owned a thousand shares, Okay. You know, there's probably absolutely no restriction on it. Yeah. So the reason for, and then I want to move on, but 
the reason for the restriction is that is that a, a messaging? I'm just trying to think of like in a BCE world because it would look bad. Right. You just it's, ran away. Is it right? Is that the? Is it a? a, a it's a, both. It's both. It's messaging for sure. You know, right. and, and how do we look here? But it, it's also just to, for stability. To you know, you don't want ten billion dollars of your shares dumped in the next day necessarily. Yeah. So okay. yeah. So it's both. Both. But it it is some of each for sure. Yeah. Some of each. The B and the C. That's why we talk about these. Things. Right. Exactly. So, do you think? So let's go back to Jay-Z and then I want to talk about a couple of other deals before we get out of here. Is this a is this a good way to conduct your business? What's the or how about this? What are the pros and cons of what this debt leveraging that Jay-Z I that I think he's doing in your opinion? Okay. Well, the pros to me are first of all he's, he may be if you put up some some money, he certainly did not put up all of it. He's leveraging his name and getting others to put up the money. So that's in a sense the, the leverage here. Mm -hmm. How they raise the money could deal with uh, leverage in and of itself, whether it's borrowed funds or equity money. They mean in Moet Hennessy, LVMH. Right. You no, know, but even uh, in before that whoever partnered with Jay-Z in the business. Gotcha. So again, that's unknown. I don't know that that's any kind of public information, but if you, know, if you dig deep enough, you could probably find something. Gotcha. But if Jay-Z's company were private, you may not. Yeah, it is. So, right, which is a whole nother, that's for another episode. So that's oh, yeah. the good thing is that he is, so it's basically what I was saying before. He, the individual is not exposed financially because he, he borrowed the money or took an investment, added his star power, raised the value, and then flipped it at another level, paying off his investors, cashing out himself. This is sure. good. Yes. Right. And in this case, he still kept a significant interest in it, which so he's concerned about it moving forward. Yeah. Is, but that's good for, for LVMH. Because sure get his special, they I would have imagined they probably would not want him to cash out right. completely because they they need because this ace of space without Jay Z is just fermented grapes like everybody else. Right. Yeah. 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 So he like it, as you said much earlier, you know, if Beyonce comes out and gives it a plug somewhere. You know, how do you put a value on that? That's huge. It's, it's, so what is the con of doing a deal like this? In the only cons I see, because he's, let's assume he's not at any great financial risk. The only cons I see is damage to his name because he put up his name mm. in this how, whole thing. How so? So if it goes south, it could pull his other ventures down. Not on, no, yeah, because of the overall Jay-Z value here. You know, if he gets wounded significantly in one of one of the areas, can that drag down others as well? Mm. So, so he, you know, it's reputation, it's image, it's all of these things. Or if, you know, heaven forbid, some, you know, a lot of people got sick on it, oh. it a bad batch or something. I mean, it is good. It is. It is. You're consuming it. You're right. There's a health issue. Yeah. Yeah. So again, he, I would be very concerned about protecting my image, that's what he's got, in addition to being brilliant. But I mean, he's got 
That's what he's worried about. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's literally, that's the value. It's not like yeah. he owns land or, or timber or oil or steel, like old, it's, it's him. It's, it's that IP of Sean Carter, as I said to Kristen in class yesterday, Sean Carter's number one asset is Jay-Z. Right. The IP of that. That's right. Exactly. So, you know, you don't want to damage that. Yeah. Right. That's your stock and trade here. Yeah. In the entertainment field. And that kind of leads us to another one we could talk about. In terms so, of so, so just before we move on. So the thing is, is it's the same thing, right? It's you, you, you flip. Basically, you use your star power to, to not expose yourself financially, but then also if you put out a bad record or have a terrible tour or, or you know, you get some scandal, it could pull, it all could come crashing down. But like a Warren Buffett type of investor, he could, nobody, who knows, he could get divorced, he could, you know, get a DWI and it would never affect the stock price. Right. Of, well, he's a celebrity investor, but you get what I'm saying. He's my idol. Go ahead. <laughs> I can see that. But I just know your average nameless, fame, faceless VC that we were talking about before, he's inoculated from this, right? Because if, 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 I'm, if I'm a random person and I own 50% of Ace of Spades and Ace of Spades starts poisoning people, nobody knows that Wes Jackson is involved because I'm just invisible. But but, but West Jackson stands to lose a lot of money. But I lose a lot of money, right. So the, both, both parties stand to lose. Right? Yeah, got it. Okay, so let's, um, this is good. I, this is helpful, but there were some other examples um, of this sort of, this weird thing of like celebrity and alcohol and spirits. So our producer, Kristen, you had a suggestion on another example you want to stand like to kind of think about. Yeah, well, I have two more, but I think while we're talking about kind of people's image, uh, we should talk about the Kendall Jenner tequila brand. Um, that one, I don't think it's even out yet. It's like she just announced it and just immediately got like ripped to shreds. Mm. So that's like an example of like the opposite of that, where like the star power is not helping her because the Kardashians are critiqued a lot and a lot of it is rightfully so in my opinion, but um this one was just immediately like, she announced it and everyone was like, why are you doing this? Like, don't do this. So my, uh, my thoughts about that are she was, she went into something she shouldn't have gone into. Uh, she probably didn't know anything about it. No history, no experience. She's very young and she's playing the, the name, the family name, the Kardashian Jenner label yet again. And as you said, Kristen, they've been getting slammed various times for doing inappropriate things and or just not thinking through what they put their name on. Somehow they tend to recover over time. In this example, I don't know how, but in this example, not only did she lend her name to this evidently inferior product, so there's the first do we know is that the vibe on the street Kristen? Is yeah. that good, it's not good quality i don't know because um 
it was immediately as it was announced before anyone even had tried the tequila because I the biggest critique I saw was that there was like Spanish on the label like things were written in Spanish but people who were native Spanish speakers are like this doesn't make sense like you can tell this was written by someone who doesn't fully know Spanish so it just kind of goes back and then because of that there was a cultural appropriation aspect but tying this to the other example I want to talk about which is Casamigos tequila with George Clooney he didn't get that flack because he also had Randy Gerber on his side, who's a big nightclub guy. That's Cindy Crawford's husband, okay. um, who owns a bunch of nightclubs and is in that side of the entertainment industry. So he had done alcohol before. So he knew what he was doing when doing a tequila company to bring on people who know about tequila versus the Kardashians, who knows what their team was. Well, just to support that whole thing further, I think... Going back to the Jenner, I would like to know who her advisors were. You know, you're talking, again, a very young person. I, I have a feeling that she, this was poorly handled by people who they probably pay a lot of money to, yeah. to advise them. But it, it's, a, it's a, for lack of a better word, just a big failure at this point. Plus, in addition to the labeling being you know, inappropriate, if you will. They show her drinking tequila out of an, an incorrect glass, even. Oh. So, you know, they're mocking this. I mean, it's all, everything from the quality of the product to the, to the marketing and the presentation by a celebrity. You know, she has about 150. Kendall or Kylie, which one? Kendall? Which, which, which Kendall, product? yeah. Okay. Sorry, Kendall, that's, that's the supermodel one, not the makeup one. Okay, the super tall one. Okay. Yeah, sorry, sorry, go ahead, Stanley. No, it's it's just it's fascinating to me because you know she has 152 million followers on Instagram. So you would think that there's some leverage right there, but they kind of messed it up. Yeah. She sort of looks like she's drinking it out of like a, a it's juice like a, glass. It's a, uh, yeah, it's interesting juice, but uh, <laughs> no, it's like a big, what they call a highball glass. Highball, big. As opposed to a smaller, you know, tequila type of glass. And in fact, if you look at the pictures of George Clooney drinking it with his partners, it is an appropriate glass and it, it's a far more professional image yeah but with Clooney Clooney's almost like a completely third example here I mean we have the Jay-Z example we have the oh, Kendall nice. Jenner debacle for lack of a better word and if you look at Clooney he and his partner George you ready spent 30 years developing this tequila really yes and they sampled it all along the way. And to even supposedly or allegedly now, they still sample every batch. Really? To make sure of the quality. I think, I think they just like tequila, but that's another story. Yeah, this is an excuse to drink tequila every couple of weeks. But it's interesting looking at the pictures and, you know, because you're right, I guess I'm looking at the glass. It is fascinating. Um, how important that glass it, it does make sense now that you pointed out 
Um, and you got, do you guys know that guy? The, um, the he's like the, the guy with the sign. Yes. And I saw him. He said, "Every celebrity doesn't need a tequila brand, right? <laughs> like this, you don't have to do this." Uh, and again, that's some, somehow Kendall Jenner got roped into this or her own ego. But Clooney, it was an, a significant investment of time and effort and commitment. I don't know about the financial side of it because it's not disclosed anywhere, but they sold it for a billion dollars, something like that. And it's crazy. You have to look that up, producer Kristen. What was the number? No, it was, it was exactly. It was literally a billion dollars. <laughs> so who do you know? Who who bought though? Who's on the other side of the transaction? It has to be like Diageo. It's got to be one of the big. Because who's yeah, got? Yeah, it was it was Diageo, and it was for seven hundred million plus a three hundred million bonus based on performance, and they ended up getting that. Wow. Yeah, that's called a contingent payout. Ooh, that that word they're using bonuses. Uh, layman's terms for a, a contingent uh, payout based on performance, and they achieved. And that was in, that was in 2018. So that year, he was the highest paid actor, having never been in a movie. Like he wasn't in a movie in 2018, but he was the highest paid actor because he got a 239 million dollar paycheck just from that deal. What um, did he? Did they cash out? They sold. They have no equity. And anymore, they gave it all to Diageo. Do we know? It appears that they sold it out. Okay, but it's not clear from what I read. It. I would need to do a little more homework on that. So I have a question for you, Stanley. I know you're exactly. not. So go ahead, Kristen. Oh, I see. They don't say exactly where he, how he's still involved, but um, I know from people I know who are involved in it that he is still involved. But it's not. Like so Stanley, I have a question that I know you're not going to be able to answer. So I'm going to preface that. Is like, so Jay-Z sold 50% to LVMH. Clooney sold 100%, we think, to Diageo. I, my, the question is, which one is better? And I know there's no way that we could know without looking at the details. But what are the, I mean, there's the, I, there's the obvious upsides and downsides. But I would want to hear from your mind what's the upside and downside of holding equity versus cashing out? Well, I think it might be your individual uh, perspective and perception as to where you are in your career, your stardom, your financial situation. Uh, what is your continuing hunger for growth and more success? You know, it might be that Clooney is content you know, he, his wife is British. They brought some over to England. It's being a big success in England. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's part of what is written here. Um, Jay-Z is a different, I mean, he's an empire. You know, he's, he's a, like a, a mogul, whatever, come to any names you want to use. So he, you know, he just may be in, in anything he can continue to build to be like Warren Buffett. Yeah. In terms of total massive wealth and breadth of fortune mm -hmm. now Clooney's got all gray hair already you know? yeah yeah I feel like Clooney's probably not that much older than Jay-Z but there yeah that sense if he maybe that's a logical thing like I'm done I want to I'm I guess you want to retire you get 239 million and make whatever movie you want to make from now right. on you know a billion here and a billion there it becomes real money after a while and you know 
colonial might be satisfied. Yeah. This is so, uh, yeah, we're about at time, our producer is telling us. But I think it is interesting. <laughs> I did a, um, there's another thought that I think we could have at, at another point or something that maybe the, the audience can take home is I'm thinking of all of these people, especially like in the hip hop space, um, who've, who've done these not only liquor deal, but even just in general, celebrities to food and beverage. Uh, 50 Cent, um, the rapper sold, he bought a minority stake in vitamin water when it was a local Queens, regional New York metro area brand. And then they flipped it to um, Coca-Cola, I believe. And I, I think he got at least at least a hundred million dollar in a hundred million dollar range payout. And now he doesn't rap. He doesn't make records anymore. He, he's now a TV producer. It just it's like I'm known for this. And then I immediately move on. This is what we were talking about in class, Kristen, how people you do one thing and then you you use that fuel to go to a, make a bigger deal because a deal with vitamin water and Coca-Cola is way more profitable better terms than a recording contract with Universal Music Group. Um, so this idea of people getting out of these contracts and moving up the food chain is something we see a lot. And I think it's a total BCE thing. But go ahead, well, Stan. Just to add to that a bit, in terms of how, how we teach finance and accounting, uh, and in one of the other courses I've taught in, measurement. How, how do you measure these things? And how do you value these things? And how do you uh, associate them with the individual, with, with the credentials? It's not, it's not necessarily, uh, there's no set way to do it. You know, I've looked into this for years. People take different approaches. Yeah. And, and you can bring in valuation firms. You could bring in a professional firm that says, Jay-Z's empire is worth, you know, X bring in another firm and they come up with why. Yeah. So, uh, but it's an art. It's an, it's, an, it's an element of art. Well, this is, you know, to, to, to bring one last point is this is basically what Trump did, right? Is constantly keep your valuation out of moving. He's about to go get in trouble down in New York because go for a loan, look like you're rich. When, it, when it's time to pay the IRS, look broke on the same property. This is, he, you know, Trump is more typical than not. And uh, this is, I, I wonder a lot of finance people would be like, he gamed the system the way that you want. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. Well, but, but just one comment. Everything Trump did was illegal if, if it all comes out to be the case. Right. Well, this is illegal because if you, if you take the, if you're lying on your valuation to pay taxes, right, that's the illegality. But the, lying, I'm valuing my intangible at 50 million and Stanley values it at 30 million. That's always the tension, right? Um, and I always want to be more, I want it to be higher. But the problem is in Trump's case, not to go down that rabbit hole, the problem is he overvalued certain things for bank loans intentionally. That's not what we're discussing here. Yeah, that's wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, we're not talking about, but I guess there's a thin line between fraud and, uh, I don't know, judgment. And, and judgment. It is interesting. But go ahead, uh, Kristen, jump in, please. I was going to say maybe like a parting fact. Um, 
was that in 2007, what you're saying about 50 Cent sold vitamin water to Coca-Cola for 4.1 billion. He got a hundred million dollar payout, putting his net worth at half a billion dollars. And then in 20, that was in 2007. In 2015, he filed for bankruptcy. What? What after that? After that purchase? Yeah. So in 20 in 2015, but that was in 2007. So that was what eight years later. And everyone was looking back at that, going, "Didn't you have half a billion dollars?" Yeah. So that kind of ties into the Trump thing of bankruptcy. Well, I, I don't know if it ties. I don't know if it ties into the Trump thing, as if I may, Kristen, as much as maybe just poor management. Yeah. Poor financial management. Again, the. We talked about it in a very different vein with uh, Kendall Jenner, but who are his advisors? Yeah. You know, you, you, a lot of celebrities go broke. Yeah, anybody can go broke, right? Anything can happen. Trump that's, is, yeah, Trump is fraud. That's a crime. 50, right, maybe right. not managing his money well is not a crime. Right. It's just dumb or unfortunate. But sad. Yeah. Sad, too. But I, he's, I don't know, but then... I don't, we got to wrap this up, but then there's this idea of also a Trumpian thing of using bankruptcy to just get out of deals, right? Of just saying I'm bankrupt and, and therefore leave me alone. But you, the idea of bankrupt in the movies of like, you're gonna go you know, on the soup line is not normally how it goes. It's more, let me just get out of this. It's like a breakup. Um, it's like a re reconstructing of your situation. Yeah, yeah, so bankruptcy is, an interesting term um, in pop culture and then in Stanley's world. But I, I would say this, my, my, well, I'm gonna say, let everyone um, say their parting shot. I just wanna, I'll go in there first and maybe we can end with Kristen, is that this is why I think BCE majors are so necessary in the world because Kendall Jenner needed someone who took Stanley's class and could understand the, the terms of the deal, they need somebody who would take like a Pete Carl and Joanna's class. So the, uh, and even me to a great certain extent about the cultural appropriation would have been like, check your language because the streets are watching, right? And she didn't have that person on her team. And then a marketing person uh, or somebody to get her industry expert to pick the right glass. Those three buckets is I feel like what all of our students would be like, I got, they, they get it from, from the jump. And I, I think this is a wonderful sort of um, ad for it. But Stanley, what's your parting shot? Well, I agree. It's like putting, uh, putting the pieces together of something that's a, a very unique item in the end. But, you know, the, the business side, the creative side, the, the marketing side, you know, adding all of these skill sets to your dossier is invaluable going forward, especially we don't know where the world's going. We believe it's going somewhere. <laughs> we don't, yeah, that's good, well said. Kristen, what's your parting shot? I guess my parting words, like you said, the guy with the sign, not every celebrity needs a tequila brand. The Kardashians don't have to dip their toe into everything, but um, I think it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Maybe we should revisit that in, in a little bit to see if she actually fully goes to market. Yeah, yeah, we might have we might have that part two of this conversation with some data. So um thanks everybody. What'd you say, Kristen? I was like gonna say we can do a whole thing on the Kardashians with all the million things they do. It's so interesting. You know, I wouldn't mind that of like breaking down the deals, like let's like unpacking them, like again, 
with the with the B and the C side of it would be very interesting because the you know the makeup, the clothes, the fast fashion, you know, I had the E did the color side of things. I mean, they're quite brilliant. I mean, I think I think they're cultural appropriators on one side of my brain, but the the rational business side of my brain is they have created this new world where you just get paid to be yourself. You get paid to go to parties, you get paid to, you know, get married, you know, people go to your wedding and your baby pictures. It's it's quite prophetic how they did it because that's the world that everybody's in. But anyway, we're going to wrap up this edition of The Hallway there. Uh, thanks to, once again, I, our guest slash co-host, the Honorable Stanley Miller, uh, our producer, Kristen, our, and uh, Kristen and Valeria, our team. And then next week, um, the plan is we're going to have actually Doug, uh, one of our marketing professors, talking about, and Kristen, you will love this, we're talking about the relationship between uh, punk, metal, and hip-hop, which was your directed study. So we're really going to get into it because Doug is like a metal nerd, like I'm a hip-hop nerd, and you would think that, uh, certainly when I first saw Doug, I was like, I'm not going to be friends with this guy. And then you start talking to him, and you're like, oh my God, we know We've been to a lot of the same concerts. We know a lot of the same bands. Um, and it's a wonderful thing. It's like we're, we're way more alike than you would ever think. But we're going to go into We're going to go in down the nerdy side of things um, with that. And then um, hopefully we'll bring back Professor Miller to unpack this a little bit later.